0: Hi, my name is Prince Daniels Jr., and I'm a former NFL running back, an author and thought leader who lives by the mantra, nothing is impossible unless you truly believe it is. I found the Game Beyond the Game taught that talk as a place for thought-provoking and inspiring conversations with professional athletes discussing life's transitions. Game Beyond the Game is an ecosystem for professional athletes to cultivate the mindset to discover their overall purpose and vision in the game of life. And now, it's time to talk that talk with your MC, Stan Pearson II, and myself, Prince Daniels Jr.
1: Hey, we have, you know, we always have rock star guests. Today is no different. Today we have someone north of the border officially I would like to present to you all Natalie Allport who is a former national team snowboarder multi-score athlete and lifelong entrepreneur she hosts the all-in with Natalie Allport podcast and is passionate is a passionate advocate for mindset and athlete mental health. Natalie runs a marketing and consulting agency, 93 Agency. I look forward to hearing more about that, where she helps teach athletes, brands, and organizations how to grow their impact and influence with social media. Wherever you are, clap your hands and stump your feet for Natalie Allport. How you feeling, Natalie? How are you doing?
2: Hey, how's it going? I'm glad to be uh, joining from north of the wall, if any of the thrones watchers uh, <laughs> are in here.
1: So great. Thank you. So glad that you're here. Thank you. And really quick, tell us something about yourself that we wouldn't know just by looking at you.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I actually compete in the sport of CrossFit. I've taken like a year off because of my I had a shoulder injury. I crashed my motorbike uh, on a trip overseas. But uh, yeah, you probably wouldn't know unless I took my shirt off or you saw some of my Instagram content. But um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that I actually do compete in the sport of CrossFit after I stopped snowboarding.
1: Well, really, really quick. Before we hop into, I mean, you're just going to start out with, you're just going to mull over to rockstar thinking like, okay, so when I'm not competing at CrossFit, I'm crashing my motorbike in (laughs) the foreign lands. Right. So so, So glad you're, getting healthy back healthy again yeah. and uh, is crossFit as intense as they say it is
2: uh yeah i mean it it really is like i but i brought my grandma at the same time and she's 83 84 um so if and you she does to CrossFit go- too uh, she did for a little bit. Like I brought her now, of course, with the pandemic, she, she doesn't go anywhere, but um, yeah, like she was doing burpees. There was like a class for older people, everyone about, Let's like, people Germany, and it was awesome. <laughs> wow.
1: no, I hey, feel I'm going to work out tonight just because you said that Natalie, and I, I want to be in the class with the 80 year olds. something to make <laughs> me feel, better. hopefully <laughs> I could keep up. I haven't done a burpee in a long time. <laughs> she, she would try to
2: compete against you. She told, she came home and told uh, everyone that she won the warm up. So about
1: that, yeah. Goat activity as I call it goat activity. Go ahead, Prince.
0: <laughs> no, I was gonna say the only burpee that I could do is whenever I hit on my chest and I belt to <laughs>
1: that's a birth <laughs> Excuse me for my birth bee. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Great to have you here, Natalie. Thank you for being here with us in Game Beyond the Game. Mm-hmm. Yep, you know, let's hop right into it. Yeah. I know, I know Prince is gonna ask you, like, yo. Who are you? Yeah, that's it. I, I just want to jump right in. Who
0: is Natalie Allport? I mean, because whenever you go to your website, you see this this amazing individual that just stands there with a lot of confidence. You have super confidence. So um, can you tell us about who you are, how you grew up, where you're from?
2: Yeah. Oof, deep, deep question to start things off. It's hard to summarize who you are. Uh, I like to say I'm a human being, not a human doing. And that's something I've been learning over a long period of time. Because I was definitely treated myself as a human doing for a long time, really attaching my identity and everything. And I'm sure we'll get into it with, you know, achievements and, and what I'm doing. Um, so over time, I've learned I'm a human being, but I'm really, really passionate about <laughs> a ton of things. I would say I'm a multi-passionate. Uh, my story was I grew up playing almost every sport. Hockey was my main one, being that I am from up here in Canada. And uh, eventually, though, I found snowboarding. And I was always kind of into skateboarding and those like alternative sports. And uh, since then, I just never looked back. Uh, My parents were quite upset because obviously hockey has like a scholarship track. And um, I just made the leap, went all in, as I like to say, into snowboarding. Um, I was no good at first. It was like the one sport that just did not come naturally, which I think is what kind of pissed me off and made me want to keep pursuing it and getting better. Um, At that time, slope style snowboarding, so like all the jumps and the rails, it wasn't in the Olympics, uh, not until 2011. So uh, basically, my parents were like, did you just abandon your Olympic dream, you know, to to try to do this? And um, eventually it did get into the Olympics. And I got onto the junior national team when I was 17, Uh, spent the next four years. I fell short of my Olympic goal in 2014, but got to watch my best friend compete. Um, And then just with a slew of injuries, mental health, like a ton of things that maybe we'll we'll dive into on here. I uh, stepped away from the sport in 2015 from at least competing and now I just do it for fun enjoy snowboarding uh for the fun of it and don't do anything as crazy as I used to do so I tried not to get injured because obviously that would affect the rest of the things I like to do now.
0: So as you reflect on some of the things that you that you've done um, in 2014 when you're trying for the Olympic trials what was it that you could have improved on?
2: Yeah. So for me, there was a lot of things leading up. So realistically, my my like timeline with my coaches was like 2018 was like, okay, that's like your peak year, like making the 2018 Olympics would be the thing. And then, of course, as you now know, I stepped away from the sport in 2015. But um, 2014 was a little bit of a long shot, but not long shot enough where like I actually signed all the paperwork with the Canadian Olympic team because um, really like our last competition was only a month or actually a few weeks before the 2014 Olympics. So anyone who was possibly able to go or like could have qualified or was in the realm had to sign off everything and, you know, be prepared to get a visa to go over to Russia. And so I was that close. Like I signed the paperwork and and everything, but I had a slew of injuries leading up to that season. So basically it ended up that with those last like one or two World Cups, I would have had a win. And now when you put into the perspective of having to win those World Cups, it's everyone else who's going to be at the Olympics competing here. So I would have to win against the person who did end up winning the Olympics to even qualify and earn my spot. So, um, at that time I was like, you know what, who cares? I'm going to try and do it. But it is, it is difficult in the sport of snowboarding when, you know, that person might have better tricks than you and you just know, like, you can't do those. And it's not like on that day, you're just going to learn it. It's just not how it works. So uh, I still have the mindset that there was a chance I could do it, but, uh, yeah unfortunately I fell short of that but one of my best friends got to go and um then I ended up actually getting injured uh, after that qualifier so I sat on the couch with my arm in a sling and watched my best friend ride at like 3 in the morning with all the time difference.
0: Wow you know you know Stan it's it's funny how you know when when you have a moment where it's you can be proud for someone else that's made it because that's usually like like one of the hardest characteristics, you know, as human beings, like being proud for someone that is actually doing good and you want to be there, you know, it's just like, ah, broken because, you know, sometimes we'll soak in our own misery, but like I, that's, that's the true sign of a leader. So kudos um, to you on that.
1: For sure. Cause it, it takes a, a mature mind and mature heart to, you know, to be in a place to celebrate someone else that maybe you see, can see yourself in. And maybe that's, you know, part of it, I do want to ask you from a mindset standpoint, because of what you mentioned, like, I guess I'll ask it in reverse. I want you to begin now thinking like, all right, what are some things that you had done to help build a strong mindset? Now, the part where we're talking about, hey, in order to get, let's say, to the ultimate goal of the Olympics, you would have had to have beat the people who were, would have actually won the Olympics and been, you know, so to go and still compete at the highest level to the best of your ability, going and knowing that let's say it wouldn't turn out the way that you, you know, felt like it could, especially because it's different than let's say in one sport. Oh, you score a basket, I can score a basket. Mm. It's literally like these are skill sets or tricks, as you call them, as as they're called. So what allows you to have again the mindset to still go in there compete? knowing that let's say the odds were stacked against you.
2: yeah, I mean the one thing is is there's no other choice right like you can just go into there with like oh, I'm just gonna lose but then why why even do it So going into there with the perspective like hey I just have to do my best control what I can control what's in my realm of my skill set. if I land my run, who knows what could happen the wind could come up on their run they can fall, like that happens a lot. There's a lot of times where, especially the competitions that I was doing with the weather differences that can happen and just judging and all these things, it actually ended up that a lot of people who just land a consistent, safe run, not the best tricks, not the best run come out on top. And that's that was the interesting thing that I learned about kind of the game of competing was that sometimes it isn't just the the best person or the one with the best tricks that wins. It's like that one person who's consistent, especially when you only have two runs and you got to land... Uh, one or both of those. And um, um, you just never know what can happen with the rest of the competitors and what their mindset is. And if they're not having a good day, like who knows, it could be 10 of them don't have a good day and all of a sudden you win. And so that's just how it works sometimes.
0: Nice. You know, it, it reminds me of that Bruce Lee saying when he says that I'm, I'm not afraid of the guy that knows 10,000 kicks, but I'm afraid of the guy that knows one kick that, kick that does it 10,000 times. Mm. You know. So it's those simple things, just you know, I never thought about that about the landing. I, I'm always looking at the flips and like, whoa! Like he should get a you know a, a perfect score.
1: Right? People should get points whether they landed or not. That's all. Exactly. Probably, I'm not a judge.
2: But. I felt a lot, so I wish I got more points.
1: In you your life, I will be the judge for you. Right. <laughs> Appreciate it. Anytime. Yo, so so how do you again? So you found yourself. Uh, at the snowboarding, how did that happen? Because you mentioned playing in all sports and then you know some other things you found some interesting some interest in. So there's some transitions along the way. How does this end up again being you know more specifically the sport you're like, this is my jam, as they say.
2: Yeah, um, great question. So when I was a kid, we grew up in Vancouver uh, until I was about five or six. So that's like the west coast of Canada, so all the the big mountains are there. Um, so I skied. I wasn't into snowboarding and I skied not super regularly. Like we just rented skis and went a couple times, but I loved it. Um, then my family moved to New Jersey for two years, and that was kind of like a hiatus on all sports. I think I played soccer, maybe tennis. Then when we came up to Canada, like hockey was the main priority. Um, and then hockey had took all my time. So my family would still try to get out a ski day, maybe a couple ski days a season. But it was hard with like competitive hockey is every day, as most people can imagine with any of those team sports, like once you start playing competitive, it just takes over your life. Um, And so all of a sudden, all the like uh, the guys at my school, they played or they snowboarded and I was always into like, what are they doing? I want to do the same thing. Like when they all played uh, boys baseball, I got onto the team and was the only girl. So like, I was like, whatever they're doing, I want to do. And so I was like, I want to snowboard. I want to be cool. And so one day I traded my ski rentals in for a snowboard. And I thought I would be great, but I was completely horrible. I probably got a concussion. <laughs> I just tumbled, tumbled right down, down the hill. Um, so that was not a great first experience, but I was determined to learn. And uh, then I don't know if anyone has seen the movie Most Valuable Primate, like that monkey and he's snowboarding. And uh, anyways, it was a movie that I watched as a kid. And um, we had this exercise. I think we were in grade seven or eight. And uh, we were sitting there and basically you have to describe to the person beside you, like what you want to do. And they have to write a letter about like, this is what Natalie wants to do with her life. She has these goals and whatever. And I, as someone, I would just daydream in class, like nonstop. And I was daydreaming of this movie. And I was picturing the kid in the movie snowboarding down through the trees. And in my head, I was like, I just want to do that. Like, I want that to be my life. So in that moment, I told the kid, I was like, I want to be a pro snowboarder he's like, what? Like, uh, I haven't even been snowboarding twice. I was like, yeah, but that's what I want to do. And from that moment onwards, that's what I decided to do. And um, I was definitely someone who like had way more confidence than I should have had. Uh, My parents really instilled with me the freedom to fail. And so I just put myself out there and learned that way. So I would sign up to competitions, like big ones that I had no, no right going. And I would try to convince my parents to drive me. And after a few years, finally, they drove me to this big competition like the biggest one in the area there was like some pro female snowboarders at it and I think I fell and came nearly dead last and I remember crying and crying because I thought in my head this is like a Cinderella story like I'm gonna go from nothing to all of a sudden landing this amazing run and just winning and taking over right so I just remember just like sitting there and thinking to myself with like tears down my face and I I remember saying it to my mom and I was like next year I'm gonna win this competition uh, and, uh, the next year, I think I was 16 or 17. I was in my last year of high school and I actually ended up winning that competition. And that literally was the competition that like flung me to the world stage because winning that, not only did we get some prize money and some awesome stuff, uh, I got a paid trip to a different competition in California. So as a kid, I got like flown over, um, got picked up by like a billabong monster energy bus, like got this full experience. I beat these girls that were in the snowboard magazines and, um, um, and then that summer when snowboarding, uh, slopestyle snowboarding was announced in the Olympics. Um, it was, I guess they made a team. I had no idea. There was like a national team cause I had to formulate it that summer. And all of a sudden a friend sent me an email and said, Hey, did you see you got on the junior national team? I was like, what? And uh, like literally that changed my life, but it was literally because of that competition. Um, and, and having done that, I think that's what that, that result was what led me to that. So just crazy how it all turned out. That way.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's Dope. Exactly. It is. So we have a question from the audience and they wanted to know, you know, like who's your inspiration to snowboard, snowboarding and where you know, were there are women in the snowboarders um in space or mentors for you?
2: Yeah, so the the girl who just won like uh, two medals at X Games this weekend, two gold medals, Jamie Anderson. She is the the boss. Like she was my idol growing up, and she still is. She's actually one of the kids who was on my snowboard team uh, growing up. After that year when I got on the junior snow national team, we had to like figure out our own private coaches. So I rode with them all growing up. It's actually they live together. They're dating, um, and so she actually moved up. She's from the U.S., but she moved up to Canada um, a few years ago because of that. And so um, just her, she's just a huge inspiration. And for her to still be winning, she's been winning X Games since she was 13. And I think she's 30 now. So it's just absolutely insane that she's still so dominant. Like these young girls come up and they challenge her and you think like, okay, maybe she's going to step away. Like maybe she doesn't have it anymore. And suddenly she learns these tricks and then learns it with the consistency and ease that no one else has. And just like is miles ahead of everyone again. And it's like, how is this even possible? So she's amazing. I've competed against her several times. I actually, she used to ride for Billabong. And so I used to be the annoying kid that had the exact same jacket and everything. I that was I was sponsored by Billabong too. And so I would always pick, like her outerwear was just the best outerwear. And it was like her signature outerwear. Uh, and so I, I always felt so awkward showing up to competitions competing against her and being like that like person who had the exact same clothing. But yeah, she's she's awesome. There's also a girl, uh, Tora Bright. She was a pro half pipe rider. So not the same discipline. Um, but I, from the first competition I did when I was like 15, uh, yeah, I think 15, I got this huge Roxy poster. Like it covered my whole wall. That was on my wall until I was like probably 18. One day she decided she, she was trying to qualify for the Olympics in both half-pipe and slope style. I like hear a voice. I look behind me and she's dropping in after me in the competition. I was like, what a crazy full circle moment. So those are some athletes that, that really inspired me, but really like everyone, like even just my, my best friends, the other members of the national team, the ones who are still competing, like they were inspirations to me just riding with them.
0: Wow. You find inspiration from your peers. You know, it's usually you find inspiration from the people that did it before you, but that's
1: completely awesome. Love it. So you've had a number of transitions. What do you think was one of the most difficult parts for your transition as you decided to kind of step away, you know, from competing professionally?
2: Yeah, I mean, identity loss is a huge one. I'm, I'm sure a lot of athletes, former athletes, they they bring this one up. But that was massive for me, because that was what I just became known as. Like, since I was three years old, I said I wanted to go to the Olympics. Then I said I wanted to be a pro athlete. And whenever kids at school would make fun of me for being so into sports, I was like, yeah, but I'm going to be a pro. So Like, you know, whatever you say, I don't care. And, you know, that was like my whole thing, right? I wanted to prove these people wrong for some, some reason. Uh, That was like some of my motivation. And then that was just what I got introduced by. And I was always shy about it, but you know, like that's what my parents and my friends, like if we were at a party or my parents were, you know, hyping me up to their friends or whatever, it was like, oh yeah, this is my daughter. She snowboards, like she travels with the national team and, you know, does this and this. And, that's just like, that was everything. Right. And that's how I'm being introduced to the world. And so for me, it was like, if I step away, have I like, have I accomplished everything that I wanted to, of course, you know, I didn't make the Olympics. I didn't do these things. So I had to become okay with that, but it was also like, who am I now? Will people even want to hang out with me? Is everyone, you know, I started going to CrossFit and that's what everyone knew me as. Like I was kind of maybe like the, the cool kid there because everyone was like, Oh, you're doing something different. You're traveling, you're leaving the snowboard. Like that's so cool that's all people would talk to me about. So I didn't know if anyone would value me having me around, or being a friend or want to date me or anything, if I didn't have this like title to my name of what I was doing. And so that was a really, really hard thing for me to to deal with. And that's why now I'm like, I'm a human being, not a human doing I don't try not to identify with exactly what I'm doing. Because um, especially being so multi passionate, I'll dive into different realms all the time. And so just focusing on more being than uh, associating with the
1: doing. Yeah, I was definitely going to hop into that. So I'm I'm glad you, amazing transition on your part. Are you reading my notes? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to us a little bit about that, the the human being part. I think that's something that certainly elite athletes struggle with. But how did you arrive at that point specifically? And what does that mean to you? Let's talk about, you know, some of those other things you enjoy, you know, uh, being a part of, that allow you to be more of who you are.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it took me a long time. Like when I, when I uh, left the sport, uh, I went through a really dark period. I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I went to therapy. I, I did everything. And so part of that was I had a great therapist who was a former semi pro soccer player. So he really associated with everything, even from like a chemical standpoint of not having that adrenaline release of like hitting these jumps every day and doing these things. Um, So just holistically, that was, That was really great. Um, Another thing was, I actually I booked, I took all the rest of the money that I had after my season, and I think the September after uh, I had I decided to take that that pause and step away from snowboarding in the spring. I went to Bali for a month by myself, Um, and I had never traveled or done anything by myself. Now I have a mentor in my aunt who is um, she's like a mindfulness and movement uh, instructor, and she's. She's been in that space for like as long as I can remember. And so even when I was pursuing athletics, she was like my, um, uh, my, I guess my balance point where she would always be like, Natalie, like you're not, you don't associate so much with just doing this. Like remember to take time for yourself, do some yoga, do some meditation, like let's do some movement. She's always pulling me into that. and At the time I was kind of blocking her out, but she had gone to Bali like as a, a you know, in her young 20s and then with her with her husband my uncle later in life and she'd been there so many times and then I had a lot of snowboard friends that had been there for surfing and so I thought I'm just gonna go and I did a ton of meditation classes I did joined a a gym and learned how to make friends outside of you know my snowboard background Uh, I just figured out who I was like my first time traveling alone without a team right so I didn't have that pressure of like okay I have to do what the team is doing it was like what does Natalie want to do what does she feel compelled to do is it just read on the beach today is it go snorkeling and then go to the cafe and all of a sudden this lady's reading a book beside me? So we strike up a conversation. And I'm like, maybe I should go read. And then that changes the trajectory of my week. Like there's just so many things. And so I just let myself flow and be. And that was something that was really, really eye-opening for me of just learning that. And it's it's still something I learned to this day because part of what I did was I transitioned into CrossFit in a way. And I think for a while that did let me associate with still being like a full-time athlete. And still competing. So, a lot of my snowboard friends who didn't understand why I stepped away, they just saw me like excelling and traveling the world again with CrossFit. So, they just thought, oh, she's doing well at this other sport. So, that's why. Um, and so, with the pandemic and with hurting my shoulder uh, in 2019, it's been a, a like a, a second eye opening over the past two years of realizing, you know, I'm more than an athlete and there's other things I like to do. And I don't always have to, you know, pursue this for just, you know, a certain reason. I'm um, Just digging into that why and what the reasoning is. And now for me, it's like if I do want to step back in that arena or competing in something, it's more just to learn something about myself than having to, like, be the world champion, prove to other people something. It's it's just all for me now.
0: Wow. At, at what age did you go to Bali?
2: Um, so I stepped away from snowboarding. I'm 27 now. I stepped away when I was 21. So it was just before my Ah. Was it twenty one? I was like twenty one or twenty two, something like that.
0: Wow, that was on your mind. Like I need to go and find peace, you know, and another country. Like I need to go to Bali and and go and do some meditation and get my e pray love on. Like that was <laughs> that was going on in your mind.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, really, it it changed the trajectory of my life. Like it was such a like mind blowing month. Um, I mean, again, like part of that was my aunt. I like the minute I mentioned, I think I booked it a month out. And yeah. uh, she sent me every book she had on everything. And wow. I really, I kind of went with no plans other than she sent me some books with with words in Indonesian in it, uh, which I hardly actually got to use because everyone there speaks English. <laughs> <but.
0: laughs> I run right? It was
2: crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like, you know, I had been into meditation, some of these things for sport, but I mm. realized like, hey, maybe it's time to listen to what my aunt's been saying and like, just mm. figure out me outside of sport. And so that was a great time to do that.
1: Two things. So you said you took your own money and did that. You said money from you winning and then decided to do that. I just, you know, drawing attention to the importance of kind of pouring into yourself. Did that add, let's say, an amount of, you know, let's say pride and ownership, you know, to that trip saying, hey, I'm going to take what I've worked for and I'm going to put this into me?
2: Yeah. I mean, it did. Right. Cause I was like, okay, this is everything I have. And like, I know that and that's something that my parents have instilled. Like they always made me pay for anything. I joke that my dad still has an Excel spreadsheet of like the bubble gum that he bought me when I was 12 and I still owe him. <laughs> so like, I've always had to kind of own those things, but it helped me own my failures and own the, the decisions that I made. Right. And so I knew that's like something on the line. And so usually you come out of a snowboard season, especially unless you're like, the top athlete and getting paid like six figures by Red Bull, uh, or more, uh, you're like pretty broke at the end of the season, especially trying to qualify for the Olympics. And so I was lucky that I still had a little bit of money left over. Um, and I had already kind of started my business. So things were rolling that on that front. And, um, I just decided, yeah, like it's worth the money, like whatever it costs for the flight and everything, like obviously, you know, me being in the right headspace is the most important thing. And, Um, and I'm glad that investment has paid off dividends because I was not in a good place before I left. And that was definitely a concern. Like, even with my parents, they're like, what if you go and you have these panic attacks or something happens? And, uh, I convinced my therapist to talk to them. So (laughs) they they let me go, but they also, they were like, it's your money. Right. So, you know, if you want to spend it and do this and go for a month, instead of like, you know, trying to further build up your business this month or whatever, like that's your own decision. Um, And so it was a good decision, I think.
0: Was there anything that you feared whenever you were planning your trip, getting closer to the trip, and then actually on the plane and just like, we're about to land. What what, what fear was going on in your brain, in your body, in your mind?
2: Yeah. You know what's crazy? It was like the minute I landed, everything went away. And not to say that when I came back, like some of those things for sure I had to deal with again because I'm thrown right back into the same environment. Um, But like it was like all this anxiety, all this fear, like – all of a sudden I would just buy myself somewhere and could figure things out. It was like, it all melted away. It was, it was crazy. I think I was more anxious. I was like, I can't wait to get there. Can't wait to get there. I also crashed my motorbike within a minute of getting there. A second, this is a second crash story. <laughs> um, so that was embarrassing. And I had to, I, I remember I, I was still finishing my university degree online. So I just brought up my textbook. I think it's the only time I took my textbook out the whole trip and started doing some work for three hours until I had the, the mental capacity to uh, overcome my fear and get back on the motorbike. <laughs> Actually, I just got hungry, too hungry, and I had to get on there to go.
1: <laughs> just doing your studies in some random place. I just I'm not going anywhere right now. Yeah. <laughs> really quick. So you mentioned kind of being there by yourself, and if you can, I'd like you to offer some advice to folks who who struggle with being by themselves. It was a really interesting point you made about being someplace by yourself. And do I talk to people? Do I not? Do I wait for, do I engage? Like, I'm not, or let's say with the team, following the team around. So some folks struggle with, you know, who they become when it's just them. So what advice do you have for folks who are, again, trying to find themselves or figure out what it is that they like when they're by themselves?
2: Yeah. I mean, first of all, can I just say how stoked I am? I get to talk about this trip and stuff. Cause I think I never, ever get asked uh, about it. Like it'll be skipped over. I might not even mention it when I talk about my story. So it's cool. I get to kind of rel- relive it through this right now. Um, but yeah, like I, throughout that trip, like I was reading so many things. Uh, I'm trying to remember the books that I brought with me. I know I read the power of now when I was there, uh, which is actually so serendipitous. It was actually uh it was a CrossFit gym owner. They said I could stay at their place if I, because they saw I was doing every activity um, by myself, but they had a coach who they had like hired to come for six months, who was like a hermit. She just didn't do anything unless her boyfriend flew over from Australia. So they said, take her with you on these adventures so that she like loves this place and stays and uh, you can stay up here. And uh, she happened to have that book and passed it to me, which is so crazy because I'd like been wanting to read it. So she lent it to me for for a week while I was there, but I was also just reading like Rumi quotes and all these things. And this is like about the capacity to be alone um, was something that really stuck out to me is like the capacity to be alone is the capacity to love and like all these different things. And for me, I was like, wow, like being okay with myself is the most important thing because how can I be a good friend? Cause I was during that year when I stopped, like I was starting to get conflicts with my friends, starting to like push people away. And I was trying to figure out why that was. And so realizing, hey, like, I have to be okay with me, I have to be okay with spending time with me before I can put these other people's needs or focus on, you know, showing up to be a good friend, a good business owner, a good boss, a good, um, you know, whatever I wanted to be. And so that was, that was important to me. But I do know, like, it's, it's hard to be alone for a lot of people. I think I've been someone who just naturally, uh, I've called myself like an extroverted introvert, because I'm i definitely an introvert introvert at heart, like I get all my energy from being alone. But then if I get like really enthralled into a conversation, I would totally present as an extrovert. And so you know, but that's something I definitely discovered even on that trip, right? Like I just hadn't had the time to think about who I was outside of being an athlete. And so that enabled that and made me realize that I actually love to travel and be alone and be okay. And since then, like, I'll just show up in random cities and explore by myself, I'll bring my camera, And be that person just taking pictures down random alleyways like I can always find fun wherever I am by myself. And a lot of that started there and just realizing it. But I kind of had to dive into the deep end with that big trip to to figure it out.
0: Nice. Do you think every athlete and high achiever uh, should should take some type of sabbatical or hiatus um, after their sport, after the after what they've identified themselves with?
2: I would say, yeah, I like, I wouldn't say that they have to, because I know some people are in different situations, right? Like I was lucky I had some money left over and I was able to scrounge it around. Obviously some pro athletes would have a ton of more money uh, left over to do something. And then there's other athletes who might not like, they might just have to jump straight into working or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, But I think if you have the opportunity that it is beneficial, like just throwing yourself into something where you are forced to be alone, uh, and just figure things out as you go and not have that strict regimen of being an athlete, being in your sport, being surrounded by teammates, coaches, whatever. Uh, that that I found extremely beneficial. And I, I don't know where I'd be at if I hadn't done that. So I, I would definitely recommend it if you can make it happen and you're interested in all in doing it.
0: What's the one thing that's fearful about being alone and how do you overcome that?
2: Whew. Um. Fearful about being alone. That's a great question. I th- I think that some people, they've just never thought like sat with their thoughts, and they've never realized who they are. And so being hit with that in the face of like, this is who I am. These are my flaws, right? Like when you sit there with your with your thoughts, like I realized and I journaled on all the things that I was like, wow, um, these are things that I judge other people for, but I should have been judging myself for not judging myself, but like looking inside and trying to work on this and just realizing Maybe my mindset isn't as strong as I think maybe this because I've just been doing and putting out outwardsly that I hadn't had that time to go inward and just, you know, be hit with that. And um, I think there's like I I might butcher this, but do do people sometimes call it like the uh, the dark night of the soul or something like that when they're they're going through that? Like you get you get hit with these like dark things that you realize like about yourself. And um, but you need to learn those things to like work on being better and developing this growth mindset but it is hard. It's not easy, right? Like you want to look at yourself as like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Like, let me just focus on this. And you realize like, no, maybe I'm not good. I I have to work on some of these things.
1: Awesome. Great answer. Maybe I'm not good. I think (laughs) that like those honest, man, the questions are one, I mean, they're they're the the most powerful, right? Getting to the why ask the questions, but the honest answers that you have to be willing to give yourself or what can again propel you to again living a happier more beautiful life that you that you speak of you know you mentioned and I'll, we'll go back briefly to the the bali trip and before that you know the dark times that maybe you visited or experienced you know just kind of getting out of your own head and getting to this better place what advice would you give to the you that was preparing for the Bali trip or when you felt like I really need, if I don't do this, no telling what advice would you give to that Natalie?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm happy with how things turned out, you know, like obviously there was different things going on with my friends and, um, you know, just projecting outwardly how I was feeling inwardly and, and all these things that I wish maybe I hadn't so that I could have maintained some of those stronger friendships and, and all these things. But Realistically, it's like I—I I kind of just how the path went. It was like I had to go that far down to be able to to get to the point where I'm at now. Um, but I, I do wish that I had just maybe, maybe just shared more too. Uh, I think right now, like when I was going through it, I didn't really share much with anybody. Like obviously, I talked with my parents about like going to go see therapy. Therapy was extremely expensive, and I was able to, you know, get some help with that and. Uh, I shared a little bit with like maybe one or two friends, but I was showing up to the CrossFit gym probably four hours a day where no one had any idea what was going on. And, you know, I get in my car and then all of a sudden it's like floodgates of tears and all these things that I just put aside because I was like, I'm going to train. I'm going to throw myself into this sport. Obviously, I don't want people to see like this. And I, I almost felt guilty too, being like, you know, I lived this life as a snowboarder. They all thought that was so cool. I stepped away. Obviously, that was big for me, but for them, they were like, well, you know, you did this. And uh, I just felt guilty always. And that was something, especially during my career, when I started dealing with some mental health issues. As an athlete, I think you feel guilty because you're living this life that everyone seems to act like they would be envious of, but they don't realize that um, just having all these things or doing these things necessarily makes you immune to mental health issues or not being okay. So I wish I just gave myself a little bit of grace. And, um, you know, definitely on that trip, that's when I realized like, hey, you know what? This is what I've been going through. Let me forgive my past self and all these things. But I wish I had kind of given myself that grace earlier and forgiven myself earlier because I think I was so hard on myself every day in the summer. It was like, finally, a good day. And I have a bad day. And it's like, why? (laughs) And uh, (laughs) you know, it just, you have to realize and go through it. Like, even still, I have, you know, good days and bad days. But now it's like, okay, I'm feeling anxious right now. That's fine. Like, let me do the things that I can help to make myself feel better. But at the same time, just accept it and like, let it flow. I'm not going to like try to fight it. I find when you fight it, sometimes it just lasts way longer.
1: Mm. Great answer. That's super real. Thank <laughs> you for missing that part. It's when you fight it, it lasts longer. I think almost yeah. like you know, any argument or any disagreement, mm-hmm. any like when you give it peace, peace becomes, you know, so to speak. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's
2: So crazy, right? Because you want to like as an athlete too, like that's your mindset is like, okay, opponent. Bad thoughts. Let me like confront, uh, and that's just not how it works.
0: That's awesome. Where do you find your inspiration?
2: Uh, where <laughs> do I find my inspiration? You're hitting me with like deep questions. <laughs> really, really deep questions. Um, you know what? Like I, a lot of my inspiration comes, and I kind of relate this back into like creativity in a in a sense. Because when I'm feeling creative, that's when I start feeling inspired and that really comes to being able to be alone with myself, like when I want to feel start to feel inspired or creative, I kind of like lock myself down, give myself some free time, like I just feel free with my my time, my energy, and just let things flow and see what happens. And I'm inspired by other people. I'm inspired just by like, looking outside and just appreciating little things that turn into like, Oh, this thought came up. And like, how can I spend more time appreciating that? Let me figure this out. And um, so really I try to take inspiration from everything, but I think having that time to reflect on those things is what then makes me more inspired and kind of snowballs that whole creativity circle.
1: No pun intended on the whole snowball thing. I see what you did there. <laughs> I full circle, didn't you, Natalie? Full circle. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So how can people learn more about you and what you do? How can they learn more about your agency? And really quick, what inspired you to start your agency?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll touch on that real quick. So um part of my journey was that like like I kinda said with my parents and my dad, I owe him probably bubblegum money since I was twelve. Uh maybe more than that, but um was that, you know, they really they 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 gave me everything, like the support that they could. They supported all my journeys, but they couldn't afford to like fly me around the world for snowboarding. And some of my peers definitely had the, the grace of that. Like they had their parents' air miles or whatever it was. But I had to pay for everything since I was you know, a teenager and uh, they said, if you really want this, like we're going to support you any way we can, but it's ultimately you got to like get the job, make the money to pay for this and whatever. And so for me, it was like, okay, how can I find sponsorships to help out? And snowboarding is a sponsorship driven sport. Everyone needs like I had billabong for outerwear ride for snowboards. Like everyone kind of has those, the goggles, the, the pants or whatever, but realistically for budget from those companies, you're fighting against those other athletes. And if there's a bad snow year where they're not snow selling that many snowboards, budgets get cut and athletes get let go. And so I realized like, okay, you know, if only the top top athletes are getting paid this huge amount, how can I create these unique opportunities for me? And that's when social media first started coming up on the scene Uh, and I was able to, because I was so interested in fitness, which is really unique for a snowboard athlete. A lot of them, it's just like kind of anti-culture to be training in the gym and doing all these things. I was, I I got like, I got sponsorships um, that were in the fitness space and who sponsored like a lot of NHL players or, you know, different athletes. And I said, hey, I wanna be your first snowboard athlete. I can bridge this gap to this new community Uh, of people. And uh, some of them are very interested in, you know, training or doing this, or some of them are interested in this other thing, or getting even local businesses or different corporations. So I was always trying to figure out how to do this. And I use social media to enhance those relationships. And from there, it was like, even my competitors who were better than me or my peers that were competing better than me. And even to this day, some of them, they come back to me and they're asking me for my contacts for how they can better post on social media, how they can grow their leverage, how they can make these relationships happen. And so uh, I realized that that was kind of a skill and then um, it kind of took full circle to come around. But what happened was in 2014, a year before I retired was one of my sponsors asked me if I could do all their social media. And I said, okay, that's perfect. I don't have to work like some crazy summer job to make things happen this will allow me to kind of like build something while I'm still competing. Um, and so they knew I wanted to start a business in the space. I was doing business school online and everything. And so from the get go, they didn't hire me as an employee. They basically became my first first client. Uh, once I stepped away from snowboarding, I was finally able to start taking on more, which kind of got referred from them. And then over time, I was getting like random emails from Olympians and different people that I'd never talked to just asking me like, hey, like I heard you're really good at sponsorships and this. And I was like, oh, no way, like it was so cool. And so now I've gone full circle where that's my main focus is helping athletes learn how to leverage social media so they can build these opportunities. Because I know for me, like if I didn't have the money and I didn't figure that out, I would have had to retire much sooner. And that would have been just such a shame, right? And so for a lot of those up and coming athletes in that gap, and especially, you know, college athletes, especially female athletes who might not have that pro opportunity past college, Um, this is a way that they can start generating money is, is through really building their platform and their presence. And it also helped me after sport with building up my client lists and all these different things. And so, so many things come from being able to market myself. That's beyond just making more money or doing these things. I was really able to make an impact and just, you know, even continue, doing the sport that I love because I finally had the, the money to make it happen through making these partnerships happen. So that's what I do with my agency now is try to un- un- empower those underrepresented athletes and more, more so educate them. Because I know there's a lot of players coming into the space of like, here, partner with this brand, we're going to connect you and whatever. But it's like, okay, well, what about those athletes that don't have the 10 million followers or whatever it is? How do they even learn to grow their following? No one's teaching them or empowering them how to do that. So that's where I try to come in with the education piece.
0: Look, look, we just had a free webinar right here, right now. <laughs> and wow. I feel great. like I've learned so much. I was just
1: great like, BSL, great video sales right?
0: letter. Right, <laughs> right. Wow. Anyone who's looking for a webinar, please go to her website and sign up right now today. All right. <laughs> did you everything? Now that's that's. Awesome. That's awesome. My last question for you is um, I'm pulling out the deep questions again. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want your legacy to look like? Mm, What do you want people to say about you whenever you leave this this earth? I, I know you're extremely young right now. You're 27 years old. You got a lot more living to do. But like, what does that look like to you?
2: I hope impactful or, you know, my, my goal is to empower as many people as I can. And some of that obviously is through my business and what I do. But a lot of that also is like, I, for example, like on TikTok, I try to post like, what would you know, what, what are things that I would have found empowering or helpful? Like I'm really motivated of helping people go all in <laughs> just put another kind of like relation to the name of my podcast. Obviously I, I don't want to bring that back. I always bring it up in conversations and use the word all in a ton, but um, that, that's a word that matters to me is because for example, with athletes, I want them to be financially empowered so that they can go all in on their sport. Um, I want people to believe that they can go out and take risks. I, I, really believe that the world is a better place and will be a better place when everyone is pursuing the things that they're passionate about and that make them happy because when we're doing that and we're happy with ourselves, we're not fighting with other people. We're not, you know causing conflicts and doing all these things. And so um, I, I just hope that through different things that I do, my business, speaking, content, all these things, if if I can just help at least one person, you know go all in and do what they want to do in in their life, whether it's as an athlete, as a business person, as a, a mom, like whatever it is, um, that that's something that that will make me happy. And so, I hope my legacy is just creating some sort of impact and ripple effect in the world.
1: Amazing, you know, Natalie. Thank you for being an amazing guest, an amazing person. Congratulations on creating what you want to see. I think, in terms of you know who we're all working to be as human beings, is. You know, a lot of folks say create the change you want to see. That, you know, that's mm-hmm. Gandhi's quote. And I always add underneath it, but it takes work. I <laughs> it takes work. Like something just sounds like, but wait a All minute, right. there's more. So again, uh, kudos and and thank you to you for creating what you want to see. And that is, you know, by your agency, like, yo, I wish I had this. And I think from either at even athletes that are experience, having experiences of like, they don't have this. I wish they had this. That creates a perfect opportunity to create that very thing. So uh, I certainly appreciate you enduring your journey and continuing on with your journey, Prince. Any Thank final? You. Um, my pleasure. Any final thoughts from you?
0: No final thoughts, but maybe final words is that um, keep being the rock star that you are. You are amazing. You are an inspiration. Uh, i never forget when I first saw one of her Instagram posts and she was working out in the middle of of the snow. And I was like, who does that? (laughs) You (laughs) You will not kiss me there. I'll I'll be on the other side like, wow, she's doing a wonderful job. I'll wait till we can go inside. (laughs) So like like you are inspiration. If you don't know that, um, I would definitely want you to know that and um, just love your spirit and love what
1: you're doing. So thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it.
1: Uh, Princess, I'm, I'm working out tonight. This is no cap. I'm, I'm, working out tonight. You, I'm, I'm done. I'm inspired by both of y'all. First off, it's in the bloodline, apparently. Natalie's working out in snow. Grandma doing burpees. Back, listen, listen, folks. I got to stop the madness right now. Control what you can control. This is actually this is Natalie's TED Talk. Control what you can control. That's exactly in part what we learned today. So Natalie, appreciate okay. you, and, and officially thank you, Natalie, for being here for joining us uh, today and sharing your story and being so transparent about your journey. Hey, we need to add it to the push-up challenge. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Gonna- yeah. yeah. You the push-up challenge. Which- Uh-oh. At first in the full disclosure, I thought it was awesome to begin to be getting tagged and push a challenge. <laughs> Two people start tagging you, hey, today we're doing twenty-five today we're doing fifty. And then you're supposed <laughs> to record yourself doing it and clearly nobody's editing these things. But that's it, Prince, you said it. Look for the tag. <laughs> Look for the tag. You'll all know right, right. when it happens now. You'll know we're talking about it happens.
2: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm I'm prepared. i um, It's gonna be like do 30 push-ups in the middle of the snow.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're already oh, okay. I do it. Don't
0: <laughs> don't elevate it. I mean, we have okay. a standard, you but she's gonna be like, okay, we'll do push-ups in the snow. I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. Well, I have uh, a video of that. I do. I I didn't post it on uh, Instagram, but it's on my. Oh, I posted it on TikTok. And really. Like, yeah, from the same time when I filmed those other exercises in the snow, I did one with push-ups, but my hands were red. Oh, yeah, my, God. <laughs> my Yeah, that's the
1: low.
2: worst. Hands are feet to... in the snow. It's the worst. Like, when you're just walking around, your body's not touching the snow, okay. But, like, that hand on snow, oh, nothing. Yeah,
1: this push-up thing, I'm trying to do bare minimum. So, if you ever see mine,
2: <laughs> and it's, on you know,
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, you know, like, you know, they uh, it cuts it up 15 seconds at a time. Right, Right. you see that some people post. If you ever just see fifteen seconds worth of my pushups, maybe that's (laughs) all the pushups that happen. I'm not going to confirm nor deny that I did fifteen pushups in fifteen seconds. You don't have to know the truth, (laughs) but look forward to the tag though.
2: Oh no! No,
1: (laughs) No. great to have you. And uh, for those of you all watching, make sure that you. Like this, remember to like this, comment, subscribe to the Prince Andrews Jr. YouTube page, and make sure you join us here every week, Tuesday, in the Game Beyond the Game Facebook page, every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, have a great week, y'all. Peace. Peace.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new show is posted. And please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about our events, courses, and other programming, check out GameBeyondTheGame.com. Thanks so much for listening. Peace.